Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the True Condos Podcast. Thanks for listening in. Special welcome if this is your first time listening to the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew LaFleur, and I'm a realtor and I specialize in helping people to make money by investing in the Toronto condo market. This podcast is a chance for you, the listener, to hear from experts and industry insiders about what's really going on in the condo market. And we also like to find out where these insiders are putting their own money when it comes to condo investing. If you like this podcast, please go to truecondos.com and become a subscriber to get even more great content like this, all about condo investing in Toronto. Now this week on the show, I'm interviewing Riz Danji, who's the VP of Sales and Marketing at Candorel. Candorel are known for their projects in Toronto like Aura, which is almost finished and is the tallest condo in Canada at 78 stories high. DNA 3, which is coming up for completion this year in King West. And now they recently launched YC Condos right at Young and College, and that project's getting a lot of buzz right now. Now, Candorel is not one of the biggest condo developers in Toronto. There's certainly a lot of other developers who build a lot more buildings than they do. But they're known as one of the best, and certainly one of the best that I've worked with and that my clients have purchased in over the years. They have a very loyal following of purchasers and people just keep coming back and buying from them again and again. So I talked to Riz about how Candorel creates their winning formula for condo investors, what his thoughts are on the question of if there's a condo bubble in Toronto, and we talk about his own personal investment strategy, which was very interesting, so you definitely want to hear that. For all the show notes on this episode, just go to truecondos.com slash Riz. And now, here it is, my interview with Riz Danji. Hey, Riz, thanks for joining us today on, on, the, on the podcast. Appreciate your time being here. Thank you, Andrew, for having me here today. Uh, why don't you start by just telling us, telling everybody a little bit about your story. So how did you get started in the condo industry specifically? And how did and how did you get to the point where you are today? Um, I'm probably one of the first guys that actually graduated from um, real estate at the University of British Columbia. This was in about 1994. Uh, everyone who graduated in my class at that time, not one person actually went into real estate. Everyone thought it wasn't very lucrative. It wasn't a great business to be into. Um, and I guess I decided that uh, let me try it out. So, okay, so 1994, refresh everyone's memories who maybe don't, weren't around at the time, but that the, the, that was sort of the that was really a, not a good time in, for real estate in Canada. Yeah, so I so I was in Vancouver at the time. Um, I, I'm not a Torontoite originally, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but I we'll forgive uh, you. We'll forgive it, you. <laughs> I uh, I actually when I graduated, I worked for a company in Hong Kong. I went to work straight in Hong Kong for a company called Vigors International. They were a large overseas consulting firm. Um, and the interesting thing about being in Hong Kong at that time is that everyone wanted to leave Hong Kong um, because of the handover that was happening in 1997. So even though the markets were very bad in Canada at the time, the market for real estate and Canadian real estate in Hong Kong was great. So I was marketing Canadian real estate, Vancouver, Toronto property in Hong Kong at that time. Right. And you would bring a project there and it would sell out in a day. So it was absolutely incredible. It was a great time to be there. 
Were you so, selling condominiums? Like yes. High-rise condominiums? Yeah, okay. selling high-rise condominiums for various developers across Canada. Um, and then we started doing Southeast Asia and different areas as well. Right. Um, and then in about 1997, the market really took a dive in Hong Kong. And that was when the handover actually happened. People said, nothing's going to happen in Hong Kong. I'm going to keep my money here. Um, and then the financial crisis happened in, in Asia. So I decided to move back to Canada. And I came back to Vancouver. And it was even worse uh, in Vancouver at that time. So I decided to move to Toronto. Toronto started to come up a little bit and work for a big developer here. Uh, and then started all the way throughout. So I've been in the industry about 15 years, in, in, uh, 16 years actually in Toronto. Um, and I've been with Candorel for approximately uh, 12 of those years, so it's been okay. great. That's great. So you've, you've worked on some amazing projects over the years, a lot of projects that people are very familiar with. Of course, College Park condos, College Park 1 and 2, uh, the DNA buildings in King West. Now, uh, YC condos is, is, I know, very very big on your plate right now. Um, and over that time, you've, you've really developed a reputation in the industry as being you know, a guy who can sort of sell out a 60-story tower in you know, a matter of weeks. What's been the, what do you think is the key to your success? Well, I think it's key to my success and maybe Candorel's success is, um, you know, really the College Park area has been a great sort of starting point for us. I mean, we, we started with the residents of College Park Phase 1. Uh, that area was really desolate. It really wasn't much happening in there. Um, we built two towers there, 1,200 units, connected to the underground um, uh, walkway. Uh, and the buildings turned out beautiful. So people bought at that time in 2001. And they built, they bought it around $220 a foot. Uh, and they were selling their units around $600 a foot. So um, the quality of the Candorel builds, the type of buildings that we do, the unique retail that we put in is very market differentiator. And I think that when we started Aura, um, there was quite a bit pent-up demand for people to buy in the same location. Uh, people that didn't even get a chance to buy College Park Phase 1, College Park Phase 2. Um, I think we really designed the building unique. Obviously, it was Canada's tallest condo, and it still is Canada's tallest condo. Mm -hmm. So that was a unique feature about it. It had 180,000 square feet of retail, um, and it had some great features to the building itself. So... Uh, we had thousands of people that wanted to buy. In fact, we sold 700 units in approximately a month uh, when we launched in 2008. Um, and we took that success and we took it over to uh, our DNA 3 project. Right. Um, when we did DNA 1 and 2, we were sort of the pioneers in King West. We pushed the envelope on design. We pushed the envelope on finishes. And the interesting thing that happened is that when DNA was completed, people bought it around $200 a foot and they were selling around uh, mid $500 a foot. So when we came out with DNA 3, which was a much better building than DNA 1 and 2, and pushed the envelope on design again, um, and traded at similar resale values as what you would buy DNA 1 and 2, there was a huge uptick on there. We almost sold out that building in a year and a half. So I think the level right. of finish, the quality, what we do is, is really market differentiating. That's why people keep coming back to us. That's great. And really, like you say, a lot of people who bought Candorel condos over the last decade, quite frankly, have done very, very well. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we do at Candorel is um, we want to offer a superior finish in the, in the units. We want to make people very excited about what they get. Um, we want to offer amazing retail in the buildings, which adds to the value of the building. Um, and then we want to leave, we actually leave money on the table. So we want that person to buy at the, you know, maybe we could have gotten another $50 a foot on there. 
but we leave a little bit of money on the table because we know that at the end, when the purchase is completed, he's made a significant upside, he's continuing to buy from us. So majority of our business is repeat agents like yourself um, who have clients who've bought from us before who want to get into another Canderell building. So it's not we don't do a lot of marketing. We don't do a lot of advertising. Um, it's just a lot of repeat business that we get, and that's, that's the way we see it. We always want to do something very unique. Right. I mean, it's, it's just basically you're creating a win-win where you guys win as a developer. You can sell your buildings out very quickly. You have very satisfied customers that just keep coming back to you because they're they're getting a great product at a great price, and it's a great investment. Absolutely. And um, a lot of these people who bought a number of years ago at College Park are seeing some of the highest rental values in the downtown core. That's the other thing. Yeah, if they don't sell, if they're holding on to these units, they're also finding that the rental rates are really good. Yeah, you know, the cash flow positive from day one, which is very hard in certain buildings that you can see in the city. So um, all this adds to the, you know, what we've done and how we, what we've created around the city um, and leads to, um, you know, the brand that we want to establish in, in, in downtown, in Toronto in general. Yeah. You mentioned DNA, the DNA building in King West. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening there? That building is now almost complete, DNA 3. What's, what's happening with the retail portion there? What can you tell us about that? So DNA 3 was um, you know, approximately 20,000 square feet of retail that we had. Um, and if you look at before DNA 1 and 2 came along, most of the product that's on King West, the condo buildings that got built, put in a lot of mom-and-pop shops. So you've got an optician, you've got you know, just a, a little spa or something to that effect. Um, we're very much into retail. We want to make sure that our buildings have some incredible retail that adds to the value of the building and uh, the overall uh, streetscape and what uh, the neighborhood's looking for. So when we did DNA 1 and 2, uh, we ended up putting up Royal Bank in there. We put Starbucks in there, GNC, um, Flight Center, and it you know really raised the value of the building. Right. Um, so DNA 3... This is really in a desolate stretch of King West, too. Like, be, there was nothing there. There's nothing there. And if you look at it, general retailers would not come into that area. Um, we just have strong relationships because we have a huge commercial division with retailers from all across the country and in the North, uh, you know, the U.S. Right. Um, that we can pull from and, uh, and really sell them on what, you know, the future of that neighborhood is going to be. Right. And one of those people that we, we approached was Loblaws. Uh, and Loblaws was uh, was kind of reluctant, or any other retail was kind of reluctant to come into the neighborhood, mm -hmm. because Loblaws really has one on Queen and Portland. They have a huge yes. one, which is not that far away. There's a metro that's across the street in Liberty Village that's there. Um, but what we told them is that you know there's going to be close to 600 units. You've got in an area stretch of close to 2,000 condos there um, that's not being serviced by that that metro. It's just too busy. Um, and they really saw it. They loved the building. They loved what we were bringing to the table. They saw what the brand we did at DNA One Two, yeah. and they're opening a major store there. So I think that's a huge coup for the neighborhood and for the building. It's just going to add value to it. Right, and it's it's also it's another big surprise and a big bonus for anybody who bought in DNA, where they didn't know that Loblaw was going to be there, but they saw the track record, I guess, with your with the other Candorel buildings in terms of the retailers that you did attract. And now they're getting this extra bonus, which again is just another boost to their values. Another thing that makes the the building attractive to renters as well. Well, the I think that one of the most attractive parts parts of some of the buildings that we've done is if you look at Aura. You know, we told people we're opening a gym; they had no clue what was happening. Right. So right. we ended up working yeah. a deal with uh, with Madonna's group to put in the first uh, Madonna's gym in North America. I right. mean. I mean, she could have picked anywhere in the world to, I mean, anywhere in North America to be able to open a gym. She opened her first gym here. Right. 
um, and we negotiated it that all the owners in the building get free access to this gym. Right. So they sell memberships for 150 bucks a month. Right. Uh, you've got a branded gym that's 40,000 square feet, and people get free access to it. So it was like a huge plus for everyone that's in there. And now renters are actually clamoring to get into right. to Aura. For that, like, just for the gym. Just for the gym because yeah. they don't, I mean, you, you usually right. get a 5,000 square foot gym that you got to wait. Right. You never have to wait for anything. It's the most technologically uh, sophisticated gym I've ever seen in my life. So it's, right. it's really great. So it begs the question then, what surprises are in store for people who buy at YC condos? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're always trying to... How do you to top push, that? How do you top that? I agree. And it's it's very difficult to top everything. Every every building we look at and we say, you know, what can we do? So I think for YC condos, what we did is, um, you know, I went to I went down to Singapore uh, a number of years ago. And I went to this uh, hotel called the Marina Bay Sands. And on the 56th floor, um, they have this infinity pool that actually hangs over the edge of the of the building and overlooks the city. Um, and I wasn't actually staying there, so I actually paid $100 just to go up and see this because I've never seen anything right. like it. Yeah. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever seen in my life. So I came back, and then I said to my architect, and we all worked together to see, you know, how do we create something like that at YC? What do we can we do as different? So the great thing is, is Candorel was saying, listen, you know, if we did something on the top floors, it would be great, but we can do penthouses there, charge $1,000 a foot, you know, it's 5 to $10 million in revenue. Um, but we wanted to make something that was so unique in the city and in North America that, that people would be clamoring to be in this building. And so what we did is we created this Aqua 66, which is the tallest infinity pool in the Western Hemisphere on the 66th floor that you literally swim up to the edge and you can almost touch the CN Tower. Yeah. And it's going to be a one-of-a-kind experience uh, that you won't get in any building, not only in Toronto, I think anywhere in North America. Um, and that's really going to top it. And I think it's going to be an incredible feature for the building. Amazing. Um, shifting gears to the market, the condo market, a question that everybody wants to know, and I'd love to hear your take on it, is, is there a condo bubble in Toronto? I get that question probably, I mean, I speak at a lot of events um, on a monthly basis. I probably get that question 15,000 times a you know, a month, you know, <laughs> what's going on with this market? Everything's, yeah. wrong. you know, and in two to three years, it's funny, two years ago when the market was really sort of slow and people were very reluctant to get into the market, um, I did a presentation to a big group of, uh, you know, investors and I said to them, real estate, uh, you know, um, interest rates are not going to go up till past 2015. Uh, condo prices are at their best levels right now and I encourage you to buy now because you will watch and you'll see what's going to happen in the housing market in the city of Toronto that's going to make it even more unaffordable to be able to get in and that and that's going to capitalize on the condo market. Well, guess what? We're into 2014 right. and we're seeing that. In fact, there was an article today, I think yesterday in the real estate uh, in the Toronto Star real estate section that said that the average price of a of a detached house in Toronto just hit about 980,000. I mean, think about yeah. that. I mean, 10 years ago, it was $456,000. Right. I mean, it's unaffordable to get a single-family home or semi-detached home in the city. So what's happening is that the resale market has got a 5 to 6% jump in prices from, from this last quarter. Okay, Listings are down because people are not listing as many because people think that all these condos that are being built, there's going to be thousands of listings. We're actually below our 10-year average on listings. So there's not enough listings that are out there. There's hundreds of thousands of people that are moving into the GTA, okay? 
And really, I think that the housing market and the condo market in particular is very healthy. I only think it's going to get better for the next 10 to 15 years. So I don't think there's a condo bubble that's out there. I think it's very self-regulated with the real estate developers. 2013, we saw some of our lowest launches in history in Toronto. Right. Okay. But in we of, in terms of new condominium launches. Correct. But we need to supply the housing market with between twenty five and thirty thousand units each year on the on the low rise and the high rise side. Right. We're not even close to that capacity just to meet with immigration demand. Right. So I think that um, you know real estate in prime areas will always do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage people that um, you know don't look at those headlines because those headlines don't make sense. That's great. Um, Talking about YC condos, uh, this is a big new project. You mentioned the, the the pool. What else can you What else can you tell us about the project? The, obviously, very excited about that. Um, what else should people know about YC condos and what makes it really special? Well, YC is located right on basically at Young at College, and that's where the name is. You know, Young at College. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got two floors of retail, and we're working with some incredible retailers to come into the building. Um, it is almost impossible to get land today on Young Street. Uh, it's very difficult to acquire. Um, it's very expensive. And um, I feel that what the city's plan for Young Street is going to be what we see at Times Square in New York, um, which is this thoroughfare with residential hotels um, across there uh, and new retail that's going in that's going to be sort of the center point of downtown Toronto. Right. Um, and that's what's going to happen. And uh, people are clamoring to be there because you're right above the subway line where, where you are at YC. You just get outside your door, you cross the street, you're at College Park. The Future Path Network is coming up to College Park. So you just cross the street, you're in there, and you can walk all the way down to Union Station underground, never have to go outside. Um, you've got uh, amazing restaurants that are out there. You've got a Loblaws that's there. You've got you know, everything around your fingertips mm-hmm. that's there. Uh, for investors, the rental market is extremely strong there. Uh, rents in those areas are between two dollars and eighty to three dollars a cent. What's driving the rental market strength in that area, in your opinion? What? Why is the rental market so strong, especially centered on this Young and College intersection? I think because it offers the convenience of downtown living, um, without being in the financial district. So if you work in the financial district, you really want to escape it um, when you're working uh, in that in that main area. Um, and what Youngin College is, it's sort of like that Soho district too. It's very, it's got great retail that's there. Um, there's a three-acre park at College Park that we're spending another $3 million to redo. So you've got a beautiful park that's there. Yeah. Okay. Um, you've got cafes. You've got restaurants. Um, you've got the, you know, the theaters, the movie theaters at Young and Dundas. You have everything that's close by. Um, and yet, there's still this, there's quaint places and quaint streets that are around there, right? right? And you're not right in the core where everyone's rushing to be. Um, and you can, you know, walk to work. You can take the subway to work. Uh, convenience is a huge factor for people, yeah. and I think that this uh, location offers that, and people are only willing to pay the rents. Plus, you've got two of the biggest universities within five blocks of each other. Right. Uh, you've got Ryerson University and University of Toronto. Uh, between them, close to two hundred thousand students. And so I think that that is a huge factor of people who want to live close by. Right, right. Take, you, you alluded to it a little bit when you first launched the College Park buildings in the early 2000s, but paint us a picture a little bit of, because we know what Young Street is like today, and it's, it's really, like you say, it's trending very upscale. It's trending towards this Times Square, very hustle-bustle, hotel, residential, retail, playground sort of a feel. 
but it wasn't always like that. Like, take us, can you take us back to when you, you know, you were first trying to convince people to buy into this area, uh, like you said, around 2001. Like, what was it like there? What was the, uh, what was the feeling of the neighborhood at the time? Take us back there. And then after that, maybe tell us a little bit about where you s- dive a little bit deeper into where you see Young Street going over the next five, ten years. Uh, well, one word, 2001, scary. Um, it was, I mean, I remember walking down before I started launched college park phase one, uh, walking down young street and seeing, uh, you know, really, you know, not safe area. Um, a lot of, you know, crime that was happening, a lot of, you know, stores that were bankrupt. Um, no one wanted to be down young. It was very scary. And I, I try to think to myself, you know, can I see this vision that's going to happen in the next six years? Right. And how do we tell people that this is going to change? Because I wasn't convinced that this would this this change would happen. Um, you know, people believed in what we were doing, so that was great, and I'm glad that they took that that leap of faith. Um, but you know, today you look at it. Uh, I mean, I was I was telling one of the reporters that I would be able to walk down Young Street in 2001. And I don't think I'd see more than 10 people on the street. Right. Um, today, you go down Young Street, I can't, even, I can't even move without getting hit by somebody walking next to me. It's just right. a walking... Night and day difference. It's complete difference. Completely different. Yeah. And I think what happened is when we started putting up the residential and adding density to that area, yeah. um, more people started being right in the center of it. Then Aura's coming along. You had 180,000 square feet of retail. You've got Bed Bath & Beyond. You've got Marshall's. And you got another thousand units above there. So now more density that's coming through there. So what's happening is, you know, Young Street is now transformed into this retail haven um, and residential haven, um, and this big park that's there uh, that people want to enjoy and want to live there uh, and and be there, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, a lot more festivals that are happening. The Young Street BIA is very active. They're a great BIA. I think they're the best BIA in this uh, really? in this country. Wow. Um, they've got a lot of things that are planned on here, and I really get excited when I hear what their what their plans are. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of events. There's a lot of stuff for kids, for families, everyone yeah. to be on there. And I guess Dundas Square, uh, just a couple blocks south too, it didn't exist in 2001 at all. No, Dundas Square was not there. Um, and now you go to Dundas Square, and almost every day there's some sort of event that's happening, whether it's in the summer or the winter time, and it's exciting. And there's a lot of people. There's so much that's happening. Mm-hmm. Now, the future for Young Street that I see is, yeah. um, you know, I know I know some plans that I can't that I can talk about, but I know there's a significant amount of new retail that's going to be coming here, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be along that Young College Gerard uh, section that I can see. Uh, some incredible retailers from the U.S. that are planning to come here as well. Uh, the other thing that I see is the biggest shift that I saw that happened is that Bloor Street was always considered the high-end uh, retail of Canada. Sure. Okay? Yeah. But the minute that, sh- that um, Cadillac Fairview purchased uh, the Bay store on Queen Street and is shifting the um, Saks Fifth Avenue that was supposed to be on Bloor right. down there, Right. And added Nordstrom to to Eden Center, Center. It shifted that whole luxury dynamic. Right. So you're seeing that Young Street corridor now right. going to get some luxury retail in the next right. five to six years that's yeah. going to transform it again. Right. So that is where I see now this whole shift that used to be that Bloor Street shift right. is going to be that Young Queen 
you know, college, Dundas, Gerard location that's going to be there. So next five to 10 years, I think people will be blown away at what they see. It's going to be amazing. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, Yorkville, I think, will always be Yorkville. And Bloor Street will always be, you know, have its cachet. But it's very interesting, like you say, to see these high-end luxury brands looking at, you know, essentially Young Street addresses, whereas it was only 10 years ago. Like you said, this is just, this is not ancient history. This is just 10 years ago that Young Street was really like a blight on the city. And like you said, you, you walk down the street, no one would even be there. And now the streets are packed. There's condo towers, you know, everywhere. And, and now look at the, the retail is following that, that development. Yeah, and it's only going to get better. And I think what's going to happen is prices in the condominium market, the rental market, along the Young Street line are going to get significantly more expensive. Because right. land prices are getting significantly more expensive. So, right. um, you know, anyone who can get into a project like a YC Condos, it's well worth it. That's great. Um, are you a condo investor yourself? Yes, I buy in every building. You buy in every building? Great. Yes. So could you tell us a little bit about um, what you have bought or what you own or what your and what your what's your investment strategy? What's your thinking when you're thinking about what to buy? Yeah, so my first building, the first unit I bought was at City Place in 2002. I bought one of the first City Place buildings. Um, you still own that unit? Just curious. No, actually, my wife walked in and cried when she saw the unit and said I had to sell it. Okay. <laughs> so, so it wasn't my choice, but she said you have to sell it. She did not like it. So okay. I ended up selling it. I made some good money and I, yeah. and I moved on. Um, and then in College Park Phase 1, I bought a unit um, at $220 a foot and I sold it for $400 a foot uh, when it was completed. Right. Uh, and then I bought a unit in my College Park Phase 2 unit building. Mm -hmm. You know, I bought it at around $300 a foot and sold it at $500 a foot. Um, although I should have held on to those because the rental market is amazingly well and yeah. I could have got more money on it, but you never think that. Yeah. I bought it my DNA one building, same kind of prices and got 500. So I think over the six to eight condos I just bought in those buildings, that gave me enough down payment to be able to buy my own house. So I ended up, wow. I ended up selling them. Um, my next strategy though, is I have uh, two units at Aura. I have um, two units at DNA three. Uh, I have a unit uh, that I'm purchasing at YC. I think I want to create a rental portfolio. And the reason I want to do that is because I see what the pension funds across the U.S. and in Canada are looking at. Um, and what they're seeing is that they see that there's not been any purpose-built rentals for the past 10 years in the city of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And they're seeing that the only rental market that's happening is the individual investor. Right. Okay. And they're looking there and they're saying, wait a minute, this guy bought this unit at you know, whatever dollar per foot. Um, he's getting rents between three to four dollars a square foot. Yeah. He's making six to seven percent returns. Right. It makes absolutely no sense why we're not in this business. Right. So they only need returns of four percent because their their money they're getting their money at between one and a half and two percent. Right. Okay. And they're looking for the upside in the future. So uh, there is a lot of builders today on pension funds that are looking at buying sites to do their own rentals because right. they think that the Toronto market is only get stronger. So for me personally, I feel that, you know, I bought, I bought all these units. I know that the rental is going to be well. Why don't I have that cash flow that comes in? That's going to pay for my kids' education, continue increasing the value, pay down my principal. Okay. And then at some point in the future, decide to sell or keep it or hand it over to my kids because you cannot buy prime real estate in, in, in downtown Toronto in the next few years. It's only going to get more expensive. 
So, um, you know, my strategy is is real estate. I've, I've got some money into stocks and bonds, but to yeah. be honest, I, I just don't do well at it. Right. Real estate's made me great money, so I'm continuing doing that. That's great. Um, what else is what else can you tell us of coming up for what for yourself or for Candorel the rest of this year, 2014? What's on tap? So 2014, we have a, a master uh, plan project that we're working on in Montreal. Um, we did our first project called the Tour de Canadiens with right. yep. Montreal Canadiens, was a success. Um, we've got five more towers that we're hopefully working on that will continue that success. And that will uh, be launching as early as this year? That could be as early as October, November okay. um, on that. Um, and then we've got another couple of sites that we've uh, tied up here as well. In, uh, in, in Toronto. In Toronto. Okay. Um, one could possibly be launching this fall. Wow. Um, if not, then it would be um, early next year okay. when we get to that. Any hints on location or can you, can you not share it? Can't share the locations. Okay. But they're, they're all, my, uh, one of them is... Central is the, downtown. One is central downtown. One is sort of uh, a midtown location that, okay. we, that we like as well. Um, so there's, uh, there's lots of opportunity. Plus we're working on stuff in Ottawa and, and Vancouver as well. So... We're well diversified across Canada. That's great. And one question I always like to ask the people I'm interviewing is, uh, as somebody who gets interviewed a lot by the media and different different um, uh, newspapers and, and blogs and things, is there a question that no one has asked you yet but that you wish that somebody would about the condo market or about yourself or about Candorel? That's a very good question. Um... I think people don't ask me too much about the the overseas market in the sense of purchasing real estate in Toronto. Okay. Their first perception is that most of the buyers that are buying these condos are foreign buyers. Mm -hmm. uh, and they go out and write that there's thousands of these foreign buyers that don't show up and are not here and are buying condos. Right. Um, but they don't really ask, you know, what is is this really true? What is really driving it? Uh, and it's it's not that w we don't have that many overseas buyers in any of our projects. I would say between five and eight percent are oh. really an overseas purchaser okay. that is not a resident of Canada that's purchasing there. Um, most of the people that we have are local residents uh, that are purchasing for either an investment or purchasing for their their own use. Um, so there's no heated bubble in this foreign market that's purchasing here. Um, plus, what I see is that um, our, our market is so regulated in the sense that the banks self-regulate this market. Um, and, you know, financing for us today is very difficult to get in a, in a real estate condo, in a condo project. You know, you need to be between 75 and 80% sold and have 15 to 20% deposits in before the bank will even talk to you. Okay, um, so the banks are very strict, and then on the mortgage lending side, if you're an overseas purchaser, you're not getting more than thirty-five to forty percent um, of a mortgage. Right. So they got to come up with sixty-five percent equity. Right. I mean, you could go to the states today yeah. and put down ten percent and get a ninety percent mortgage, and I'm from Canada. That's right. I, and I could walk in there. And do it. Sure. It's a very strict, regulated environment in Canada. So that's why I don't see this big bubble bursting. I don't see um, any of these concerns that the media has. I only see a market that's getting stronger and people that are qualified that are purchasing, that are paying off their mortgage, okay, right. and a very strong environment that's going to go for the future. Um, and I encourage people to get involved. It's, uh, you know, you're always too late if you don't buy real estate today. Right. 
you know, and, um, you know, never think of the markets of the future. Those, you'll always do well in the long run. Well, that's great, Riz. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much Thank you, for uh, sharing some great insights with us. Um, and hopefully we can have you on the, the interview, the program again sometime. Thanks very much, Andrew. I appreciate it. Great. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Riz Danji. I always like talking to Riz about the condo market and condo investing. And I can tell you that he's a very highly respected guy in the condo industry uh, even amongst his competition, they, they, um, a lot of people have a good, good deal of respect for Riz and um, what he has to say about the market, and he's just really good at what he does. Now, what Riz was describing about how Canderell designs and sells their buildings is what every condo investor should seek out when they're looking to get into the condo market. He talked about buying a superior quality product with unique building features and at a purchase price that leaves money on the table, as Riz puts it. Um, what's really interesting is that I recorded this interview just before Riz made a big announcement that YC Condos is actually partnering with Samsung for full home automation um, technology in their uh, building. You can do everything on your smartphone, everything from keyless entry to your unit to lighting and temperature and security controls, media controls, all from your phone. And it's the first condo in Canada to do something like this. So to review, Candorel surprises Aura buyers with Madonna's Hard Candy Gym, and then DNA3 buyers were surprised with a Loblaws in their building. And now YC condo buyers are surprised with this Samsung home automation. So it's really interesting that in all three cases, these major features that really differentiate the buildings uh, were announced after everyone had already bought in the building. So, I mean, again, just an exa another example for me that when you invest with the best developers, that good things happen and that your investment will do well and it will appreciate. Um, when you invest with the wrong developers, well, uh, we'll leave that for another podcast. Okay, that's enough for me. Once again, for all the show notes on this episode, head on over to truecondos.com slash Riz. And if you like the show, please go to iTunes on your computer. You can't do it on your phone. You got to do it on your computer and leave me a review in iTunes. Just go to iTunes, go to podcast, search for True Condos, click write a review. They are greatly appreciated. Okay, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.